Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Biology Bobbles, or uh, as I should say, good afternoon, evening, morning, and or twilight, <laughs> depending on when and where you're listening to this. Uh, today I'm being joined by uh, the one, the only, the fascinatingly motherly Mackenzie <laughs> Calling. Yep. <laughs> say hi. hi. Okay, so as, as you were about to say just off air, the working title for this episode right now is The Lungs of the Earth. <laughs> Would you like Earth? Yes. Would you like to? You you were about to say something on that right before I cut you off and said we should do this on air. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, over the Christmas break, like it's funny that you said Mm -hmm. uh, the title's the lungs of the Earth because my first thought was trees Mm -hmm. because oxygen. Right. Um. But then I remembered over the Christmas break, my brother has like this thing with like just knowing random facts Uh and liking to like show show it off to everybody Uh that he knows random stuff. So over the break, I think it was even Christmas dinner, maybe, he, mm-hmm. like, said to everybody, he's like, oh, like, do you guys know where most of the oxygen in the earth comes from? Uh-oh. And uh, I'm we just going to cut you like... off right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I want to take a, a moment to appreciate oxygen and the lungs of the earth. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to do, it like, a little little meditation exercise. <laughs> okay. I want, I want everyone uh, at home and in, in the studio, myself included, to take one deep breath and just feel the oxygen coming into them and it lighting up their diaphragm and filling them with energy and breathing out. (laughs) And then back in, just feel the gravity of wherever you are pressing into your situation and appreciate the sensation of (laughs) Okay. now you may continue with spoiling the uh, the, the, the catch. Whole episode. <laughs> okay. Not the whole episode, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then, yeah. So obviously, everybody's mm-hmm. like, my parents, my other brother, like, we're all like, oh, trees, because mm-hmm. yeah, oxygen. of course, like, that's what trees. you learn in elementary school. Uh, yeah, trees make oxygen. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, no, idiots. Like, it's actually <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> it is, and we are going to be doing a lot of talking about that. Um, and it, I think the exact extent to which it is the ocean is really lost on people. Uh, So just to throw a couple fun statistics Mm -hmm. out there, uh, the Amazonian rainforest, of course, is the most picturesque uh, example. And that is what is generally referred to when someone says the lungs of the planet. But uh, despite the fact that the Amazon rainforest produces enough oxygen uh, to supply the entire human population of the world with all their oxygen needs 10 times over, not a breath of it leaves the Amazon. Zero huh. percent of the two breaths that we and the audience just took came from the Amazon rainforest. None of it. Huh. Not not a lick. Even well, I guess if you were in the, if you're, the Amazon, that yeah, would be yeah, then different. then that's you know that's the but technicality like here, that here that you've Canada. got me on. But the the real lungs of the of the planet, if I may be so bold as to say, the real lungs of the planet are phytoplankton. And so I'm going to start off by telling you a little little bit about plankton. Uh, Plankton is classified as anything that can't swim against a current, which is kind of funny to me because that means that every toddler (laughs) with, with, you know, a floaty around their waist is actually a plankton. (laughs) Yeah, anyone that like um, all the. I don't know if it's too too soon to mention the Titanic, but you know, Mm. Jack. Yeah. Jack was actually a A plankton plankton. as he was going down. and actually, not even a zooplankton at that, because zooplankton is qualified as any kind of plankton that can go up or down. Uh, and they're generally, as would be inferred by the zoo part of the zooplankton, mm-hmm. they're considered animals. And phytoplankton are any plankton that photosynthesizes. Hmm. We are here today talking about diatoms, which are kind of both. 
which is kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. Diatoms are the only creature on Earth who lives inside little cases of glass. Huh. Yep. Uh, these clay cases of glass can take many forms, crisscrossing bars, barrels, pods, stars, triangles, or elaborate disks. But the most famous forms look like alien pancakes. I'm just going to pull up a picture. That's one. Oh, yeah. That's one. Then that's that's one of my favorite ones. It's kind of like a floppy. It's a floppy. It's like one of those. Um, it's like a mid-toss pancake. Yeah, I or think. one of those. You know those like soft frisbees? Oh, like yeah. The, the ones that, yeah. Yeah, looks like one of those. Oh, throwback to first year. Um, Yeah, and they can adapt their cases to different biological situations, uh, as well as their inner fat content to help them sink or float. So in a similar fashion to what would qualify as zooplankton, they can either increase or decrease the size of their pores to better adapt and catch the catch the wave, bro. (laughs) (laughs) The original surfers just chilling in the ocean. And interestingly enough, they rely on the Amazon rainforest. Yeah, but not in the way you'd expect. If you were to go into space and look down at Brazil, nine days out of ten, you would see just white. And that's because the rainforest obviously is rainy yeah. and it's covered in clouds. That makes sense. But that water actually originates, it's being drawn up from the plants of the rainforest, which is like just a kind of a, a little bit of a mind fuck there. It's yeah. that the, the plants in the rainforest are causing the rain. Anyway, um, <laughs> and all those, all those, uh, all that water that's drawn up out of the earth goes up and is carried by the easterly winds over the Andes, where the water condenses at high altitudes and it precipitates in what's known as uh, a rain shadow, which if anyone has passed uh, grade 8 earth science, that may ring a bell, (laughs) a rain shadow, uh, bringing runoff of nutrients, uh, namely dirt, metals, and minerals, all that kind of stuff, down to the west coast of South America, where the world's third biggest diatom breeding ground is. Uh, And while the oxygen from the Amazon doesn't directly reach any of our lungs, unless I have any listeners in the, <laughs> in the logging <laughs> in the... industry. Um, the Amazon indirectly feeds the diatoms, who single-handedly, as a genera, are responsible for 40% of the world's breathable oxygen. Wow. Yeah. These little surfer dudes are the guys that are giving us our <laughs> the oxygen. Su- the eh? surfer bros. Yeah, with their slick silicon hair. <laughs> and interestingly, these easterly winds blow all the way across the Pacific through the Sahara, and bring massive annual dust storms from the African deserts, which blow across the entire Atlantic and settles in the Amazon basin, fertilizing the plants that feed the diatoms with about 27 millions of dust each year. Wow, all the way from the yeah, Sahara Yeah, all the desert. way across the desert. Wow. And if you think that's crazy, it, it, it comes full circle. <laughs> we're, still, we're still on diatoms here. The dried up lake beds in Africa, where the nutrients come from, are dried up diatom beds from millions of years ago. So the rainforest is being fertilized with diatoms, which then allows the plants to bring the water out of the earth to feed more diatoms, which are in consequence shallowing the ocean. Anyway, this whole kind of rotation is actually... uh, Anyway, because diatoms have silicon shells around them in glass cases, whenever they die, they sink down to to, to the bottom and form something called diocious earth and the one off the coast of south america is about 800 meters deep of the silicon of, dudes yeah of, of built up silicon surfer dudes <laughs> oh my gosh yeah uh and and that 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 kind of effect that that means that the the ocean in that part of the world um at least in this respect is getting shallower and that's what happened in the lakes in africa 
that cause them to be covered in diatoms on the bottom mm. that now in turn create these deserts which send dust storms to the Amazonian rainforest. To feed the... To feed the diatoms. Huh. Which is like this entire counter-revolution of, like, the, 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 the continents are kind of shifting at some degree at a very slow scale because of diatoms. That's Just wild. these little glass things. Surfer dudes, yeah. Yeah. Which, it's nuts. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy to wrap your head around. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, it's not just that th this is happening. It's that this kind of stuff is responsible for every other breath that we take. Yeah. Without this going... And no no one knows. Like, you don't go to elementary school, like like you mentioned. Yeah. You know, it's trees. It's trees. Trees give us oxygen. And trees, you know, shout out to trees. Thank you. Uh, you're doing great. <laughs> but, you know, we... Diatoms, we don't really... Uh, like, have you heard of, have you, have you I've heard, never heard of, of diatoms before? Yeah. No. Like the photoplanktons, yeah, but yeah, not right. the actual phytoplanktons. diatoms. Phytoplanktons. Yeah. They are huge. And their presence on Earth has incredibly far-reaching implications in all aspects of ecological life. And uh, they have been in decline. Oh, no. <laughs> of course they have. Of course. Everything because this is the, the, the 21st century and everything... We're, we're learning about everything. It's doom days. Yep. In 2015, na actually, I'm, I'm going to, don't lose all hope yet. Okay. Just because I know that 80% of Biology Bobbles episodes ends in me telling you that the world is ending. Mm -hmm. Because 80% of every aspect you can look at biology, the world kind of is. Yeah. But this one actually, I think, has kind of a happy ending. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad but we're gonna, to... we're gonna We're going to go, we're going to ride the roller coaster first. Okay. You got to have the ups and the downs. So in 2015, NASA did a study that showed that every year since the 1980s or so, the global diatom population has been declining by 1.2% year to year. Uh, it's big, obviously, mm -hmm. because that's like the same as the deforestation that's going on in the Amazonian rainforest, except that this is the oxygen that we're, that we're breathing using, yeah. instead of the monkeys. And, you know, deforestation is awful, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we need oxygen I, too. <laughs> I feel like I crossed the line somewhere back, and I'm just gonna. Okay, uh, it's big, and we don't really know why. And of course, as with anything in bi biology, the first instinct is say, okay, climate change, right? Climate yeah. and, and like ocean acidification. The problem is, we took diatoms into uh, into into the lab and uh, tried culturing them in. Uh, in, in, in oceanic cultures that would have the pH of what it would in the year 2100. And they were fine. They actually uh, just, they, they just, they were like, okay, we're in slightly more acidic waters. We're just going to switch our genes around slightly uh. so we have slightly thinner shells and there's more of us. And they, they were, they, they just, they, they just like walked like that one up. Community meeting yeah. and, and it was, it was, it was such a, you know, mind fuck to read because of course, going into something like that, you hear like, oh, the pH of the ocean is dropping by like 0 0.6, which is a huge number. Mm -hmm. It is decimating the coral. And yet the diatoms are just like, actually, you know, it's a it's a balmy, it's a balmy vacation. Yeah, you know, we, we can we're... work with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, so we're like, okay, maybe it's the, like, the stress caused by raising CO2 con concentrations. Uh, but as you would kind of expect from a photosynthetic organism, warmer climates on average, with higher CO2 contents, which would is what's going on in the ocean, mm -hmm. they actually processed and fixated CO2 faster than in colder environments, and they replicated faster by about 10%. Hmm. So why are they going down? I don't know. Why? 
here's our working theory. Okay. We, we really don't know. If NASA can't tell you, then neither can an undergrad from Queens. But there was a paper from Hydrobiologia. Hydrobiologia. I don't know why they had to add the yeah, yeah. just to make it extra yeah, hard for podcasters little. like me. Um, anyway, there's a it's it's a magazine, uh, and they they quoted a scientist and saying, and just just hold on to your hat for this. This is this is a <laughs> this is an academic sounding quote. Okay. Light limited rates of photosynthesis are insensitive to temperature, but light saturated ones increase with temperature, which indirectly increases the light level where light saturation begins. Therefore, it is expected that global warming increases light-saturated rates of photoautotrophic production, but not light-limited ones. As a result, temperature increase should lead to greater plant growth rates and biomass accumulation under adequate resource supply. However, compared to photosynthesis rates, the metabolism of heterotrophic organisms is more sensitive to temperature. So uh, I'm going to take a stab. Yeah, at take this a stab one at it and see if I understood. Okay. So the increasing temperatures of the Earth. Yes. Should be good for replication mm-hmm. of these dudes. Yep. But something with photosynthesis tells us no. <laughs> photosynthesis. Oh, the, you you got halfway there. Okay. And that, that honestly, I, I lost ha- it. At and the fact that you don't have it like in front of you, and I, I had to read it like six times and Google half yeah. the words, but. Also Basically, not a biology major. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out nursing gang. Basically, what it means is yes, diatoms are are diatom. Jesus, I forget which one it is. I think it's diatom. Diatoms. Diatoms are growing faster and being healthier in warmer climates, but fish are getting hungrier because uh. metabolism rates are increasing with with temperature because they can you know the enzymes work faster a bunch of different reasons basically just their predators are getting stronger so then the diatoms are getting eaten by the fish yeah so yeah. as as the ocean is is warming fish are eating more diet you know and i mean it's not just fish it's other zooplankton yeah. and stuff uh, anything that eats other organisms is going to be hungrier now than it was 50 years ago gotcha which i think is a wonderful plot for another jaws movie yeah yeah i saw the meg and you know, it's it's, a, it's an okay movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, what's the guy that played Dwight? Uh, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. He was he was great. Yeah, he Honestly, was great. He was, in that he movie. was funny. And here is the solution that genius humanity came up with. So, the three biggest sites for diatoms are in the Atlantic the Antarctic, and off the coast of the Andes, which is the one we, we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is because these are the spots where, either through the melting of the ice, creating upwelling currents that bring nutrients uh, diatoms need from the bottom of the ocean up to the top, mm-hmm. and the zone called the mixing layer of the ocean, uh, or it's runoff from the Andes and in, in the mountains. Either way, the two kind of rate-limiting nutrients for diatoms are silicon and iron, which makes sense mm-hmm. because they are literally pancaked between two slices of silicon, basically. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, little bits of glass. And fun fact about that, diatoms, oh, oh, diatoms, I, I keep going back to diatoms, it's just how it's written. It, it look, It's so tempting to say it that way. Uh, being surrounded in glass, worldwide, go through about 67 billion tons of silicon each year. Oh my God, that's yes, a lot that's, of silicon. That's a lot of glass. That's like, I wish I had looked up how many, like, tons of glass sand are yeah. in the Sahara Desert just so that I could like 
I feel like it wouldn't really come close at that scale, but it's still impressive. Mm -hmm. um, so our solution is dump iron and sand into the ocean. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> from an outside perspective. Okay, so this is what the biologists in 2012 came up. They're like, okay, so these guys are good. Yeah, they are going down. So we give them more food. That means okay. that there's going to be more of them. And there are no possible consequences to dumping tons <laughs> of silicon and iron into the ocean. Okay. What do you... It's, it sounds... I mean, it sounds great for our little dudes that are, are dying off, but it, yep. I don't know how great it would be for the other That's species in the ocean. Exactly I'm not, I'm not what happened. not a biologist, happened. but... Yeah. And part of the problem with uh, jumping to conclusions there uh, was that... Someone did it. Ah. In 2012, a California businessman, go figure, named Russ George, Russ. dumped 100 tons of iron off the coast of Vancouver, causing massive algal blooms. Mm. Which, he got what he asked for, but I feel like it's kind of a Rumpelstiltskin uh, situation, because, of course, diatoms, diatoms, <laughs> diatoms aren't the only things in the ocean yeah. that count as algae. Um, one of which being particular species of algae that secrete neurotoxins into the water uh, to kill fish and then absorb the nutrients from them. Which, of course, uh, if it doesn't kill the fish, the fish oftentimes still end up with neurotoxins in them, which humans eat. And so the, in that year, there were a couple cases of people getting like short-term memory loss and brain damage from neurotoxin algae-infested fish. So, what I'm understanding is Russ really messed up. Yeah, Russ, you done, you, you done, done goofed. You done goofed. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like you had, we, you had the best intentions, but let's be honest, the worst possible, not the worst possible, very bad outcome. Yeah. Not you know, a minus for effort there, buddy. <laughs> but Ross George. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they. That's that's the Canadian example of that one. Um. They, there were also uh, people who did in the Indian Ocean to the exact same effect mm. because, of course, you know, sometimes people forget nature can be red in tooth and claw, which mm -hmm. is a fun little saying from the 1800s, I believe. Mm. That's kind of Darwinism shit. Anyway, this is where we get to the, the, the sunny side of diatom. Okay. Diatom. Diatoms? Oh, my God. I, I, I'm just correcting myself with the wrong one now, I think. Diatoms. Is the right one. There is still hope. Good. And here's why. There is a lot of money to be made with diatoms. Diet. Diatoms. Diatoms. <laughs> diatoms. <laughs> I'm gonna start with the uh, the low the low implications one and just kind of you know build up nice little like escalation. Mm -hmm. We use them as filters for beer and wine. Ah. Yeah. So next time you see a uh, filtered on your beer. You know, and there's no cloudy yeast at the bottom. That very may well have been uh, thanks to the same little guys, same surfer dudes, same silicon <laughs> alien pancakes, as are letting you breathe. Nice. Yeah. They they are dual purpose. Yeah. Sure. So they uh, they 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 definitely appeal to two of my favorite things, which yeah. is beer and breathing. Breathing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they're high in fat and protein, making for a popular fish food in aquaculture. Uh, and uh, in a more modern modern turn of events, catching the attention of many 
health food startup companies. Mm-hmm. So you can eat like diatom chips. Yummy. Which is kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. But I, I wonder how it <laughs> It's the primary ingredient in, glass. in diet. Yeah, it's glass. <laughs> like gonna, we're eating our filter feed. Yeah. Okay. Just going to crunch on this Anyway, I'll leave here. that one to LA. But um, the pores in the glass shells are now being used for sustained release drugs at extremely accurate do- dosages and time frames. Oh, that's really cool. It is. It, I, I threw that one in there for um, the nursing students yes. and all nursing students listening and all future nursing students and all people who like drugs. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's particularly useful because... Oh, we're getting better and better at manipulating the genes in diatoms. Diatoms. Yes. Uh, to because they they make their pores bigger or smaller to adapt to ocean currents. So mm-hmm. we can kind of you know genetically engineer them to have big pores for fast release or high dosages, uh, or small pores or like in- incredibly detailed sizes of pores. Mm-hmm. And this uh, genetic engineering goes. It's it's getting pretty crazy because. Uh, we are now like adapting them to create incredibly uh, affordable and efficient solar panel cells. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because uh, the glass shell obviously has been evolved for millions of years to catch as much light as it can mm-hmm. in this tiny little, I'd say microscopic, but there are, there are actually some species, especially in the Antarctic Ocean, that are actually about uh, six millimeters across. Oh, so you can see them with your Yeah, with so, uh, th- and that I'm I'm especially interested to like, if I'm ever in Antarctica and catch myself at the bottom, I just want to take a scoop, you know, and take it to the surface. And it would be like these beautiful, like little, they look kind of like weird snowflakes, hmm. except it would just be made of glass. Yeah. And that would be just, That'd be super cool. there's an Etsy project in that, I think. I'm going to pause that just to, just to take a quote from Professor Gabriella Trenell from University of Norway, uh, who is part of the lead scientists behind that kind of, expedition into science. We see that it is more and more of interest to imitate nature, to learn how nature has made structures that are functional, inspired by nature. I love the accent. Thank you. I thought I, I have to I have to do justice yes. to Professor Gabriella Trenell. Shout out. I hope I got your accent right and it didn't sound too Dutch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And that's that. That's cool. Solar panels are cool. Yeah. You know, everyone's known that. Everyone knows solar panels are great. You know, my grandparents. Uh, hi, grandma. I know you're listening to this. I love the fact that you have solar panels on your house. That's amazing. But Silicon Valley, fittingly, uh, has a great invested interest because now that we're able to manipulate the pores more and more, we're able to manipulate the the shell to a greater degree, meaning that. If we adapt the metabolic pathways responsible for forming silicon, the, the silicon shells, mm-hmm. they would allow us to create incredibly small, detailed, and fast computer chips. Oh. We can turn these little microorganisms into circuits. Wow. Which is nuts. And it's, it's something like they're a third the size of the smallest we can make right now with current technology, wow, which is absolutely insane. Yeah. But... This, that's not even the biggest of all. The biggest reason that I think that there is a future for diatoms, diatoms, <laughs> I, um, a future for diatoms and potentially humanity mm-hmm. uh, with our oxygen supply going down is oil. And here's why. Diatoms, part of the way that they control how they go up or down 
is their lipid content. So okay. they kind of have like a built-in, what's the word I'm oh, looking for? Life, life, life vest. Life jacket. Life vest. Life yeah, jacket. like a life preserver yeah. built in. Uh, and so they're like, oh, I'm going down. I better pump it up. Then they'll, they'll accumulate fats and they'll just kind of try to rise to the surface again. And we have engineered them so that instead of accumulating uh, the, those, those oils, mm. they actually secrete them mm. as an oil that is actually cleaner by about 70% than crude oil. Wow. Yeah. And some genius guys, I believe from MIT, went even further so that they don't even secrete oil at all. They just secrete straight gasoline. Straight gasoline. No They're just Yeah, so you can just have a panel of just water full of these guys. And it, it just, all you need is carbon dioxide, sand, and sunlight. And so that's why there is a lot of money going into, they're they're calling them photosynthetic biorefineries. And again, all you need to make oil is uh, material for, and and material for electronics. Like if you combine the two of those, the only side product of this factory, it's going to be 100% clean. Like there's going to be no emissions Mm -hmm. as a result of this. You don't have to make any environmental impact. You're basically just printing gasoline. All you need to do is take in sand, and it gives you iPhones. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what's going on. And, oh, my God, there, there's, there's so many facets on which this is just, like, so exciting. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you've heard of uh, biofuel and how mm-hmm. they're trying to, or they were trying to in the early 2000s, convert stuff like uh, soybeans and oil seeds and palm oil into, into, into oil. Yeah, into yeah. gas. Um and this is like three times as efficient as that. Wow. Yeah. And of course, with those, you need to dump tons of fertilizer into the environment. There's mm-hmm. environmental runoff. You need tons and tons of space. You can do this in like, it's, it's, ugh, I'm just absolutely blown away by there are no upsides or no downsides. And the best part is because it's, they're so good at carbon fixation, even if you take that gasoline and burn it in cars, it's still net zero. Yeah. Yeah, you're still doing like you're still breaking still no, even. Yeah, there's still no waste mm-hmm. product when you burn it, right? Well, it's just the carbon that yeah. they're already fixing yeah. from the atmosphere back into Yeah. Yeah. Which is also super exciting because this could potentially and I don't want to, you know, claim or like call what's that what's what's like a good version of call wolf. I don't want to call it good wolf. Oh. I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, you could say jinx it. Yeah, jinx it. Yeah. But if we were to kind of industrialize this we would have the opportunity to farm just oxygen just pump it that's actually insane the kilotons back into the environment yeah and if we wanted to this side effect is again computer parts at incredibly high speeds and small densities within just amazingly low product costs and gasoline Mm -hmm. which is liquid gold if I may be so crude to all environmentalists ever. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Someone's coming. I have a quote from a uh, photochemist who was big at the, the turn of the century. Um, and I just, I just want you to be able to revel in it for a little bit okay. as much as I did. His name was Giacomo Chiamician. 
which sounds uh, sounds Asian, uh, but only because I'm horrible with Italian pronunciation. Ah, okay. He's an Italian photochemist and senator from the University of Bologna, hmm. which it's a lot more <laughs> credible than it sounds. I promise. <clears throat> this is from uh, a speech he gave in 1910. 1910. 1910. Okay. So this is so a we're going this, back. Yeah, this is 110 years ago okay. now. Okay, that's is, wild. It, it is. On the arid la- I don't think I can do an, uh, <laughs> in an accent. <laughs> on the arid lands, there will spring up industrial colonies without... Okay, I'm just going to... It still sounds Dutch, yeah. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, a little oh, bit. <laughs> I think, I think I'm, if I'll I just... Uh, to make my Dutch accent perfect, if I may digress from such an interesting topic, mm-hmm. uh, all I need to do is my Italian accent and then do like a lot of shh, like yeah. shishes, yeah. and kind of just have a closed mouth half the time. Anyway... Giacomo Chiamician in an address to the University of Bologna. On the arid lands, there will spring up industrial colonies without smoke and without smokestacks. Forests of glass tubes will extend over the plains and glass buildings will rise everywhere. Inside these will take place the photochemical processes that hitherto have been guarded by the secret of the plants, but that will have been mastered by human industry, which will know how to make them bear even more abundant fruit than nature. For nature is not in a hurry, and mankind is. And if, in a distant future, the supply of fossil fuels becomes completely exhausted, civilization will not be checked by that, for life and civilization will continue as long as the sun shines." Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That it I I I I got tingles. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> Especially since it was from 1910. Yeah. That's I I will say um I actually edited it slightly. Uh he didn't say fossil fuels. He said coal, but mm-hmm. basically it's, it's the same thing. It's it's dirty fuel. Yeah. That's what it is. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> You're cool. You're a cool Italian dude. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to die in like 1937, something like that. Yeah, yeah. he's he's gone now. Yeah. Um, well, I would I would hope so if if he was from 1910. You have something against the uh, 1910ers? No, but that's 110 years ago. I hope he's not still kicking. Yeah. Unless he's like found. Not, although a if he to was, if something. he was, then he would be in the process of seeing his his lifelong yeah. dream come true if yeah. he had the mental capacity to realize it. Yeah, maybe he's uh, wherever he is. He's. Mm-hmm. Looking and being like, hey. Maybe name. he's listening right now. Yeah. From heaven. From, yeah. <laughs> you know what? If Tupac survived, so can this guy. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that was this episode of Biology Bobbles. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the air. <laughs> and thank you, everyone at home, uh, for leaving a, a wonderful wonderful rating. Would be would be nice. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to, to say? No, I, I've really fallen quite in love with these little glass They're great. Surf, surfer dudes. Yeah, actually, you know what? I, uh, I do have some pictures that I, I didn't show you. Sure. They are, uh, for those those still listening, <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually, the algal blooms they form are so big that you can see them from outer space. Oh, I might have seen pictures of those before. Yeah, probably. Uh, there's lots of, uh, I mean, anytime you look at uh, the, the world from space down, you'll basically see kind of these these bright blue swirls. Is that what turquoise is there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of looks like someone dropped an ice cream cone and it just melted. Yeah, like yeah, a... It just swirls. Like a bubblegum flavor of ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, it does, it does have the swirly twirly of a mm-hmm. 
Or like um, like a shitty knockoff of the the Tiger Tiger. Remember yes. Tiger Tiger? Yeah. Oh, I love Tiger Tiger. So those are our little little guys. Those are our little little industrious workers. Forty percent oxygen givers. Yep, munching down on uh, on iron. That yeah, hopefully that uh, that we continue to let them attain yeah. naturally. I think the biggest thing. Russ George, we've got our eyes on you. I will take away from this is to mm-hmm. not dump iron and sand into the ocean. Yep. Learn from our mistakes, yep. Russ. You know, you know, I, when I first read that, I was just imagining. Um, have you ever seen the Simpsons episode? where their solution to, to climate change is they drop a big ice cube in the in the lake every yeah i think year. so <laughs> it's kind of like that except uh just just helicopters like napalming <laughs> kirkland brand iron tablets <laughs> yeah there you go algae anyway uh that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening and uh we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.